0: Way back in the 1900s, when we had very different forms of communicating with each other, Uh, there was no texting, messaging, gifting—my preferred Uh, pronunciation—snapping, IG, Instagraming. There was none of that. There was phone calls, and notes, and letters, uh, cards, and and journals. And so uh, it was it was that way to stay in touch, especially in the summers. Uh, when she would go home to work a summer job and I would stay on campus at school, Louisiana College, uh, to work and go to school and we wouldn't see each other for several weeks and we would call and write and cards and sometimes we would journal all summer and we'd come back in the fall and share those journals, here's what I was thinking about every day while you were away, all this ooey gooey stuff. And, and it was it was a great way to stay in touch It's all we had. Oh, we had email. We did have email back then. But we didn't email much because we didn't have computers. Uh, it was crazy, crazy days. Pictures, I uh, know I sound like I'm 85 years old. Pictures, I think we have about 100 from our three years of da- dating before we got married. Maybe 100, uh, maybe less. Um, back when you had to act, take this plastic roll of film and put it to the back of a plastic camera and take pictures and get them developed at a store. If you really want to splurge, you do one-hour photo and get them back in a whole 60 minutes later. Crazy times. And we have all that stuff in our house. Like there's a box somewhere. With every card and every note and every letter and every journal and every picture. If it hasn't got caught up in one of her purges, it's, it's still in our house. And so I could go find it and I could take it out this afternoon. Probably next Sunday. It would probably take me that long to find it. But I could take it out and I could reminisce and we could laugh and joke. About how silly we were and how cute we were and all this kind of stuff. And really have a fun time reminiscing about our relationship. Now 22 years into marriage. But but what if I did that and then several weeks from now I, I continued every day to engage more and more with those letters and cards and pictures and journals. So much that I withdrew from our actual relationship. And this went on for like months, where she begins to worry about my mental health, my well being, my sanity even, because I'm spending all of my time with the correspondence that we shared while we were dating. And no time with my actual wife. That would be very odd. That's kind of the dilemma the recipients of the letter of Hebrews were in when they got this letter from an author we don't know who, the Holy Spirit inspired. Recipients were Christians who grew up Jewish, probably in and around Rome and Italy in the 60s AD. They had never seen Jesus himself, but they had come to know him through the gospel proclamation of people that Jesus had sent out. And they had begun to follow him, and they had also begun to pay the price of following Jesus, and were facing persecution. And now they were faced with this dilemma. Do we continue on with Jesus, through whom we are are experiencing persecution, or do we go back to the safe confines of Judaism? The temple was still standing. Sacrifices for sins were still being made. It seems like they're thinking, if we go back, will be spared this persecution. Judaism seems to be safer and more acceptable, so maybe let's go back. And the writer of Hebrews has been sounding this resounding message throughout this letter. You can't go back. If you go back, you lose Jesus. So let's pick this up. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Since the law... "...as only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshippers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshippers, purified once and for all, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in the sacrifices there is a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins."
1: Therefore, as he was
0: coming into the world, he said, You did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. And then I said, See,
1: it is written about me
0: in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. After he says above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering uh, one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For after he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after those days, the Lord says, I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on my minds, and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now, where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin.
1: Father, we are so grateful for your word you have made yourself known we
0: can know the god who made us
1: you have preserved your word you have translated it to our language we sit here today under
0: your word with full confidence that what we are studying and reading is the very word that you gave your people thousands of years ago and it accomplishes your will it brings life it transforms us. It brings hope and joy and peace. And so, Father, we are in desperate need of that this morning. We submit ourselves to you through your word, and we ask you to speak. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to receive what you have, us, have for us today. And may you be glorified in how you work through your word this morning and the people of the crossing and beyond we pray in jesus name amen in the same way it will be silly and weird and fruitless for me to ignore my actual wife and only interact with our dating correspondence which was good at the time it was all we had it was definitely sufficient but it's nothing close to the real thing my actual wife we don't have to leave each other for long stretches of time in the same way Why would Hebrew Christians go back to the shadow
1: when the real and good substance of Jesus has come, to which
0: the shadows pointed? And again, as we said all through this journey in Hebrews, the argument is not the Old Testament sacrificial system and law were bad and Jesus is good. Jesus, they were fine, but Jesus is best. They were adequate, but Jesus is full satisfaction. They did the job they were intended to do,
2: but their job
0: has ended. Because Jesus has come and finished the work. You know how we all love movie previews? You go pay money to watch a movie, and you typically, all your popcorn and candy and Coke during the previews, before the movie starts. And so you're talking to the person you're with, or the people you're with. You're like, oh, that looks awesome. I can't wait to see that. Oh, no thanks. I'm not into that. We all love previews. They're they're enticing us to watch the full movie. But if you pay money to go see the full movie and you tell the movie theater, can you just show me the preview? I don't really want to watch the full movie. They would think, what's wrong with you? Why would you just want to watch the preview? It's the same mentality these Hebrew Christians were wrestling with. Why would you just settle for the preview when you've got the whole movie to enjoy? Who can't wait to watch Spider-Man? It looks unbelievable. Why would you just want to watch the preview over and over again? This is the the dilemma that they were in. All through Hebrews, the writer's been building his case. Jesus is the better word. Jesus is the better Moses. He's better than angels. He's the better Sabbath rest, the better high priest, the better covenant. Now he is the better Sacrifice, And the passage today is really the end of a section that you could go all the way back to the beginning of chapter 5 and say it started there, definitely chapter 8. How Jesus is better than all the aspects of the Old Testament religious and sacrificial system God had put in place to serve a purpose at a point in time, but that time has ended because Jesus has come. And this entire section, verses 1 through 18, is a contrast between Jesus and the sacrificial system and why Jesus is better. So let's look at three primary ways we can see in these 18 verses why Jesus is better than the Old Testament sacrificial system. First, Jesus is better in the number of sacrifices required. Beginning again in verse 1, the law, uh, since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers, purified once and for all, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. The sacrificial system was the priest coming to the temple day after day, year after year, literally for hundreds and hundreds of years, offering an innumerable number of animals. You can't even guesstimate how many animals were slaughtered at the temple. And this continued year after year, even up until the time this letter was written, written and received by these Jewish Christians. It was endless, it was full of blood, and it was ineffectual to do what was really needing to be done in the hearts and minds of the worshippers to perfect them and set them free from a guilty conscience. It was never intended to do that.
1: It was purposed to be a daily,
0: yearly reminder of their sins. And because they were sinful, innocent animals had to die to pay the price for their sins. But it wouldn't clear the conscience.
1: As soon as the sacrifice was made, the worshiper would sin again. And so what are they supposed to do?
0: Just turn around and make another sacrifice? Like never leave the temple?
1: Just stay there all the time because they're going to keep sinning. More sacrifices would have to be made. I mean, theoretically,
0: that's what they should have done, but you can't live life like that. And so they, they take their family, they take their kids, and they head back home knowing we've got to come right back next year, tomorrow, next week, and do this all over again because we are so sinful. Just weighing on them constantly. Where's the animals at? How are we going to raise the animals that are going to be spotless? Where? How are we going to buy the animals and have the money to buy the sacrificial offering that has to be offered for our sins? They just lived under the weight of the guilt of their sins. It's hard for us to imagine. We kill animals to eat them, or someone else kills them and we eat them. We're not headed to a temple on a regular basis. Somebody walks in here with a goat. We're going to be like, what are you doing? This is not bring your pet goat to church Sunday. We don't hand over animals to a priest and see a perfectly healthy animal slaughtered in front of us not to provide food for our family but because I'm prideful. I was mean. I was unkind. I was lazy. I was a glutton. I'm selfish. Or whatever the sin may have been. It just boggles the mind for us. And this process goes on year after year after year for your life, for your kid's life, for your grandkids' life, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Constantly reminded that you're a sinner and sin brings death and more animals have to be killed because of that.
1: Read verse 11.
0: Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time which can never take away sin. It wasn't even effective. It simply was reminding them how sinful they are and how holy God is. And God made a way for you to remain in relationship with Him, even though it should be you who are being killed for your sins. But Jesus, verse 10, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Verse 12, But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. In the descriptions of the temple furniture and even before that, the tabernacle, there's no provision or description of a chair for the priest. The priest was always up working. He could never sit. The work was never done. The people kept sinning. More animals had to be slaughtered. The people keep sinning. sinning, More animals had to be slaughtered. But when Jesus gave himself his life on the cross and was buried and rose and ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sat down. The work was was done nothing else needs to be done to accomplish the salvation of his people he is now present he's not he's not like us when we finish our work we sit down and veg out jesus is not vegged out at the right hand of the father he's now interceding for us at the right hand of the father and he's actively waiting for his enemies to become his footstool he's actively waiting for the father to say all right it's time let's go get them. let's end all of this and let's start eternity where it's going to be amazing, actively engaged, but the work of redemption is done. He's finished. And in the garden, God gave one command: "Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil; for if you eat of it, you will die. Our parents, tempted by the serpent, Satan, rebelled and disobeyed God's one command, and death, separation entered creation. They were naked and ashamed, and before they left the garden, before w- which God kicked them out, because they had to be separated from a holy God, that's death, that's separation. So you have to leave, you can't stay in this place of fellowship, because you rebel, you sinned. Before he kicked them out, he sacrificed an innocent animal to cover their nakedness and shame. And the sacrificial system was foreshadowed and eventually created. The people sinned, animals were sacrificed day after day, year after year. And verse 4 says it never took away sins. It only served to remind them, you're a sinner. Sinner brings death. Someone has to die. God has allowed graciously to be this animal instead of you. Because God is holy. And that's how bad sin is. But when Jesus arrives on the scene and begins His incarnational ministry as an adult... The first person who saw him who knew who he was was his cousin john the baptist and john the baptist said behold the lamb of god who what takes away the sins of the world here is the one who has come who is the last sacrifice and it's going to be effective it's going to accomplish what god has set out to accomplish He has come, and through His one life and one death, Jesus accomplished what millions of animals could never accomplish, and they only pointed to. So secondly, Jesus is better in that His sacrifice cleanses our consciousness by providing our sanctification and our forgiveness. Jesus is better in that His sacrifice cleanses our consciousness by providing our sanctification and our forgiveness. Beginning in verse 5. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You do not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You do not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. And then I said, See, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. And after he says above, You do not desire, delight in sacrifice and offerings, whole burn offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He then says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Once for all time. The writer quotes Psalm 40 here, a psalm of David, but he puts the words of David in the mouth of Christ. And you may think, well, is that a misuse of the Old Testament? By saying Jesus said this, when we know clearly from the Psalms that David said these words.
1: And I would say not at all. We learn from the New Testament
0: how we look back into and treat the Old Testament, how we interpret and understand the Old Testament. The Spirit of God spoke through David when David recorded these psalms. The same Spirit of Christ, who spoke with the same authority whenever he spoke, is the same Spirit of Jesus. And so when Jesus speaks, it carries the same weight and authority as all the Scripture. This is the the error of the red-letter Bibles. It seems to elevate the actual words Jesus said in His incarnational ministry and make them more important, more valuable than all the words of Scripture. But all of Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable to us.
2: And so I'm not saying go out and burn your red-letter
0: Bibles or condemn people who have them. Not at all, but just understand that the purpose of that isn't to elevate red letters. It's just to point out, well, these are things Jesus said in his incarnational ministry, but the entire Bible is the words of Christ.
1: So we find in the Psalms, Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, speaking these words to David. Now, you can't assign all of the words of David to Jesus because, obviously, David confessed sin, and repented of sin. That doesn't go with Jesus. But you also find in the New Testament, the Spirit inspiring the authors in the New Testament to see and grasp the Psalms of
0: David as ultimately fulfilled in Christ, the greater David. And so it's perfectly appropriate for the author of Hebrews to quote Psalm 40... A psalm of David as being what Jesus said as he was coming into the world because they all come from the same source, the triune God. And David, Christ, says in Psalm 40, You don't delight in sacrifices, but you've prepared a body for me. I have come to do your will. Now, interestingly, if you walk through Psalm 40, it is a psalm of lament by David.
2: He begins by recalling all the ways God has delivered him in the past,
0: He then says this section that is quoted here in Hebrews 10. He then recalls God's righteousness and salvation among his people. And then he ends Psalm 40 by asking God to deliver him from his enemies.
2: And this section, verses 6 through 8, is David pledging himself, giving all
0: of himself entirely over to God to do his will. In a psalm of lament, enemies coming at him... David is saying, I am all yours, God, to do your will. And now the greater David has come, has been given a body, his incarnational body, and in that body he is completely given to do God's will, which in the context of this passage in Hebrews 10, is ultimately to give his life as a sacrifice for the sins of his people. Jesus did not go to the cross begrudgingly. He did not go against His will. Jesus climbed on the cross. Jesus did it at the right time in the right place to perfectly accomplish what God had sent Him to accomplish. We'll see in chapter 12. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. We are so sinful, Jesus had to die, as Tim Keller says, but we are so loved, Jesus was glad to die. There's no animal headed to the temple willingly. They're, they're tied up and taken.
2: There's no animal gladly giving their life for a person. They're not, they're not human. They don't have human emotions. They don't have a human conscience.
0: They're just doing what animals do.
2: Jesus, the final
0: sacrifice was doing it willingly and lovingly. And this is all repeated in verse 8 and 9. And it's not shocking to hear the writer of Hebrews say that God did not delight in sacrifice and offerings. That was a common, repeated theme in the Old Testament. That God never was interested in the rote religion and ritual of His people. He never, ever wants us to just go through the motions mindlessly while treasuring and loving sin secretly.
2: He always wants all of us Even if you show up at a building like this or you show up with the people of
1: God in another place that you're gathering, you're just kind of checking the box.
0: The Spirit of God is going to enliven that so that your heart, your mind, your soul will engage as you engage with God and His people and and His Word. God was disgusted by, by the hypocrisy of, hypocrisy of His people who would, would continue to come, come year, after year after year and offer sacrifices while, while living sinful and repentant rebellious lives. Just one example, Micah 6, verse 6-8. Six what should I bring before, before the Lord when I come before God on high? Should I come with, before Him with burnt offerings, with year-old calves? Will, will the, the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I, should I give, give my firstborn for my transgressions, the offspring of my body for my own sin? Mankind, mankind, he has told each of you what is good and what it is is the Lord requires of you to act justly, to love faithfulness, faithfulness, and and to walk humbly with your God. That's what he wanted. And if he he can't can't have have that, he doesn't doesn't want want the rest. rest. He doesn't doesn't want it. But But Jesus Jesus has come come in a body to do his will. In verse 9, take away the first and establish the second. So the old order of relationship with God through the temple and sacrificial system are done. Now Now that Christ Christ has come, you can't actually go back. back. It's fruitless and pointless. Soon Soon they they will find out when the temple is destroyed, you literally can't go back. And And it's not not even necessary because Jesus has done what the sacrifices sacrifices could not do in accomplishing God's will. will. Verse Verse 10, 10, look again. By this will we have have been sanctified through the offering of the the body of Jesus Christ 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 once for all time. Through Jesus One sacrifice of himself, the only true, spotless Lamb of God, the only sinless human who's ever lived, he accomplished what millions of animal sacrifices could never accomplish our sanctification. And this is not speaking about progressive sanctification, where day by day we're being conformed to the image of our our Savior, we're being made like Jesus. Day by day, we're growing and maturing. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Progressive sanctification, spiritual growth and maturity. That's not talking about that. This is talking about definitive sanctification. What we call positional sanctification. We're at the moment of justification when when God declares, even though you are sinful, you are now just and right and holy and blameless. In my eyes, this is what Jesus provided for us, his people. So that we, all the time, in the eyes of God, through Christ, we are holy, blameless, right, just, sanctified. It's how He always sees us, all the time. It's our state of being. This is repeated in verse 14. For by one offering He has perfected forever those who are sanctified and again a similar statement down in verse 17 and i will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts now where there is forgiveness of these there is no longer an offering for sin
1: jesus through his one life and one death did what animal sacrifices could never do cleanse our conscience by providing us full forgiveness
0: full sanctification so unlike the Old Testament worshipers who went into the temple, gave the sacrifice and knew immediately, we've got to come, come do this again. Because all I'm going to do is keep sinning and more animals have to be killed. We don't live, or rather, we don't have to live with a muddled conscience. We saw in Hebrews 4.16, therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness
2: so that that we may receive mercy mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. We belong
0: in the throne room of God Almighty. We don't pay penance. We don't don't have to bring more sacrifices. sacrifices. We We don't don't have have to crucify Jesus Jesus over and over. We don't don't have have to earn or work our way back into His love and favor. favor. We We don't don't have have to jump jump through hoops. We come with boldness because we belong there. Because Because of Jesus, as His kids, as sinful as as we are... That's, That's where, where we belong. That's where, where we are embraced and accepted all the time, fully and forever, on every day of our life when we are in Christ, Christ and Christ is in us. Because Jesus did everything for us to belong. Me and uh, James Sharp got to travel recently to go to, go to an orientation for Brendan and and their work. And James, and James travels a lot, so the airlines love him. And he gets all kinds of perks. perks. And... Uh, he had accumulated a bunch of miles and so forth. And, and so, so we had some of these perks as we traveled. And, and more perks than I ever get when I, when I travel. When I travel. And so, and so we, we had, had a delay in our flight from Houston back to Monroe to come, to come home. And I'm like, James, uh, look at those you perks. Got you got any tickets to, like, like the airport lunch. lounge? This place I had, I had seen and heard about but never, never been in. Been and,
2: in. He's and he's looking at his phone. like, oh, come find out I got two passes that are about to expire.
0: Let's do it. He had never been either. It's like he didn't know what was beyond the doors. So, so we, we look on the, the airport, airport map, and we find the airport, airport lounge like, like this hidden set of stairs that no normal people don't notice. But if you got the pass, you do notice. Like, like man, I've never, never been up this part of the airport before. before. I mean, this is great mahogany doors for walking. Be- Behold. And, and they, you know, uh, creak open, and this light beams, beams down from the ceiling, and the there's these two angels, angels attendants, whatever, whatever, waiting to see if we gain entrance. So we, we show them our boarding pass. pass we show them the, the redeem pass, pass, and you, you may enter. enter. We, we open, open these other, other mahogany, mahogany doors, and, and there's, there's a chocolate fountain flowing from the ceiling to the floor, and there's fruit trees. We're like picking off fresh fruit and dimming in it in the chocolate fountain, and there's like wallpaper that tastes like candy. You're just going pulling it off and eating it and And we we keep walking walking in this room after room of massage chairs and lazy boys and and recliners and tvs and 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 then you go into this this buffet and there's like prime rib and fish and lobster and shrimp and 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 just free. we're We're like like, this this is unbelievable is this heaven heaven on on earth now that that may be a little exaggerated exaggerated, but but that's that's how how it felt compared to how i'm normally treated like the rest of the cattle in the the small city terminal in the houston, in the houston airport, airport right so, so we were having so much fun living this life we never live like we, we, we were we decided, decided you well know, i guess we need a mosey on down back to the, the common commonplace with the common place where the common people get on our and plane and we, we we had wasted so much time, time. Like, like we were the last two people to get on the plane we were just minutes away from being left which would have been terrible but we had access not because i did any work because, because James, James did all the work. I was allowed entry into this place. We belong. belong. Even though we didn't feel like we belong. belonged. Like, 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 here's our past. We really, we really, we really can't come in here. Come we belong. And, and I can't wait to travel with James Sharp, James Sharp again. <laughs> Save those. <laughs> Don't use them. In a much greater way, we belong in the presence of God as his kids. Because Jesus has done everything necessary for us to belong. My kids... Don't, don't like, like crawl, crawl up to, to me. me i wonder if i can, I can talk, talk to daddy, daddy. They, they usually attack me especially the little ones
2: the, the teenagers don't walk to me and raise their hand can i speak they, they just start, start talking and sharing, sharing. Dad, dad is, is the, lit the lit fit is the fit lit, lit whatever, whatever we say. say don't look good check check don't out the, the fit, fit. You know, they, and they just have full, have full access, access all the time, the time because i am their dad and they are my kids
0: And And that's that's going to be be that way forever. And they know they belong. They They know they're embraced. They know they are accepted. Certainly, there are times I'm sinful because I'm not God. I'm not the perfect dad. And there are times where I'm aggravated or I'm trying to do work and I got the earbuds in. And then they are a little more cautious and timid. And that's on me because I'm sinful and I don't always create that environment. But, But they know most of the time, Dad, yes, I belong. The boy's... Walk up, up and slap me on the rear, and all the time it drives me crazy. But that's their, their way of saying, "Let's play, let's run, run. come, come chase, chase me."
2: And sometimes I get to do that. that. Let's, let's go. go.
0: In, in the same way, we have access forever and always to what Jesus has God. done. Your Father in Heaven, the one most offended by your sins, through Jesus says in verse seventeen, "I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts." I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. He never looks at us through the lens of our sins.
2: He always looks at us through the lens of our Savior. He always sees His kids as fully His, fully belonging, fully embraced,
0: fully loved, dearly loved sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. Feel this church. Feel this in a fresh way. Enjoy this. Know this. Celebrate this. We don't live with a, a guilty conscience. And you might say, well, I still sin.
2: What am I, I supposed to do about that?
0: So, so yes, the Spirit will convict us when we sin.
2: But the Spirit of conviction, the Spirit of Christ, never condemns us in our sin.
0: He simply convicts us. hey. hey That's not not what I've created you to do. That's That's not who I've created you to be. Let's Let's get back. But But it's never what's wrong with you. Who do you think you you are? You're not not one of mine. You don't belong. You're You're not not even a child of mine. It's never that. that. That's the voice of the enemy. That's the voice of our flesh. That's the voice of this world. The voice of our Father is, You're mine. Come back to me. Stop chasing those wild, empty clay pots that don't feed you or sustain you. Come back and drink from the well of living water and eat the food that is Christ. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember who Christ is and then remember who you are. It's never, well, I guess Jesus needs to die again for my sins. I guess you need to do some religious things to provide yourself or prove yourself because what you've done is not enough. It's never that. It's always remember who Christ is. Remember Remember what Christ has done. Remember who you are are." in Him. Guys, our relationship with Jesus always, 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 always involves first a look back at who Christ is and what Christ has done. That's where we have to start every single day. Not, okay, here's, the, here's my day, here's what I've got to do. It's always, Jesus, you sustain my life through the night. I'm only still alive by your grace. This is your day. I, I realize, realize what, what you've done, done for me on the, the cross. I realize the life I, I have in you. I, I remember, I remember who, who I am. Now Now, now help, help me go, go live, it live it out. It always it involves, involves a look back first, who Jesus is and what Jesus, Jesus done. has done. We, we have, have no chance and no hope, hope of walking in the, the freedom and joy God intends for us to, us to have if, have if we, we don't start with a look back. back. That's, That's the heart behind our weekly communion meal. One day we're going to have a table here again, and we're going to have live, on pre-processed options, I, I guess you could say. say. And, and we'll share, share in community communion like, like we used to, to at, at, around a table and, and in, in a meal-type and, way. And and that weekly reminder, it's, it's something uh, where, uh, where we, we, we say, say start we start off every, every week, week if, if you're, you're a baptized, baptized repentant, repentant believer, share in this meal with us. And, and if we're, we're not careful, careful, we could create this environment where Someone who knows and loves Jesus and hates their sin won't feel like they can come to the table because they don't feel bad enough, or they don't feel like they've been good enough, or they don't feel like they belong.
2: But the point of saying this is open to baptized, repentant believers is that this meal is for followers of Jesus who love and want to remember Jesus and his sacrifice for their sins. Us saying that's not
0: for you to pay penance for your sin. Or try try to to make make you feel more sorrowful sorrowful enough enough for your sins. sins. So, okay, now now you're sorry enough. Now you can come. Now you you have a dour enough enough expression as you come to the the table. table. Now you've earned this This table. table. It's It's never never that.
2: that. That's not what what we we want want to create.
0: create. When When you're you're trusting trusting in Jesus and you're trusting in his word to take care of your sin problem, then we literally, no matter how much sin we just committed, we can run to the table with joy and celebration. Because Because we we know know what what Jesus has has done for us us, and we want want to enjoy it once again. You're accepted, you're forgiven, you're welcome, you're you're invited, you're wanted, you're you're secure because Jesus has done it all. So worship and enjoy him with a clear conscience. conscience. Because even even the sin you're you're about to commit five minutes from now, now,
2: even even that is covered by the life, death, and sacrifice of
0: Jesus. No No more sacrifice is necessary. Live free in him and his once and for all final sacrifice. Lastly, Jesus is better because he ushered in the new and final covenant between God and his people. Verse 15 15 to 16. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for after he says, This is the covenant I will make with them. After those days, the Lord says, I will put my law on their hearts and write them on their minds. This is a quote from Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31. Look, the days are coming. This is the Lord's declaration when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors on the day I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, even though I am their master the Lord's declaration. Instead, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, the Lord's declaration, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their iniquity and never again remember their sin.
1: Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians
0: 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away
2: and the new has come. The new covenant,
0: Jesus as the once and for all final sacrifice, No No more animals animals for our sins. sins. We are now now the living sacrifice, sacrifice, continually remembering who Jesus is and what what Jesus has done and dying to our old selves and living out this new reality. No more temple. We are the temple and dwelling place of God. No more longer bound by the same adherence to Old Testament rituals and regulations. It's all been redefined in Christ. We have new hearts, new minds that make us a new people to live in a new way and show the world who Jesus is. This is continued if you look at the passage in Second Corinthians 5, verse 18. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore we are all, man, woman, child, we are all ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. When we plead on Christ's behalf we be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The rest of the book of Hebrews is built on this whole section of Hebrews 5-10. Because Jesus is
1: this better priest, better sacrifice, better covenant. How do we now
0: live? And this is what we're going to be walking through the rest of the fall and into the spring all the way up into Easter, Lord willing.
2: We're going going to to slow down down our pace. The foundation's been built. So so let's let's dig deep
0: about what it means to be this new people of Jesus. Let's dig deep and to see how this gospel actually changes us. Know that all the good that we want to experience is built on this foundation because the foundation is Christ and He is good. So if your struggle is with anxiety knowing that Christ is your peace. If your struggle is with depression, knowing that ultimately Christ is your joy. If your struggle is with finances, knowing He is your provider.
1: What about my future? What's, what am I going to do with the rest of my life?
0: He holds your future. He ordains your steps. He has your future in His hands. I struggle with anger. Well, you're not the king of the universe. He is the king in the universe. He is ultimately in control. So the frustrations of life can be given over to him as you trust him to order your days and your time and your steps. I struggle with the injustices of the world. He will balance the scales ultimately. And he is the scale. He is the one who determines what is just and unjust. I struggle with lust. He is good and more satisfying than any temporary Fleeting, lustful thought. I struggle with gluttony. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of you to give you the control that you need to make this temple work as good as possible. Wherever we struggle as His people, we have all we need in Jesus. And the, the counselors or therapists or medicines that sometimes we have to also include, that's because we're really complicated people.
2: We're really wired in all kinds of ways we don't always understand. And we need help digging through the mess and the cobwebs so that once again, we can see Jesus is enough.
0: He is sufficient. But if it all comes from Him. It's all built on Him. And so we have to lay a good foundation to experience Jesus fully as His people. If you're here this morning the Spirit of God is speaking to you, And you You don't don't treasure treasure or love Jesus like it seems like you should. Or your Your life seems to be more about enjoying and treasuring sin or hiding your sins, sins, living a a a kind of secret life. life. Or your your life is more about, look how great I am. If only everybody was was more like me, me.
1: the world would be a better place.
2: If you you have ears to hear this morning, morning, if if you you have eyes eyes to see, if you have a heart to receive, then know that the
0: offer of the full and final sanctification, sanctification, forgiveness, acceptance, welcome by God into His family. New life in Him is still available to you. As long as you you have breath, you can turn from your sins and trust in Jesus this morning, right here, right now, become a new person. person. Please, please Please let us know before you leave that that's where you're at and that's what you want want to do. And then then we can begin begin to walk with you through what it looks looks like to be a born-again, new follower, new creation in Christ Jesus. I got a call from a local business that I serve as a chaplain this week. They had a a resident in their nursing home. I'm a a chaplain to the employees, but they had a resident in their nursing home who wanted to be baptized. She had uh, always been asking a staff member to read her like these smutty novels. I know that's weird, but it happens. And the staff member was like, I'm not reading all that to you, but I'll read the Bible to
2: you. This lady who had never been part of a church, never become a Christian, began to hear the Bible, Bible read to her day after day.
0: And one day they were talking about salvation and being a Christian and following Jesus, and the old resident said, Hey, uh, I wish I could still do that. And the staff member was like, you, you, can. Can. you can! You can! It's, it's available! You can still get in on this! So they, they, they pray prayed together, and she began to disciple her, and one, one day she's talking about baptism. And even though it's very hard physically to do that for someone in that age... They, 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 there's ways it that can be done in, done in a facility, a but they're shut down, down because of COVID, so they, they can't really do it with a pastor or chaplain. So they, they, we talked about it, and they, they called me, and they, and they could, could you come, come outside because we can't go, go, inside, can can you go inside, and can you take a pitcher of water and pour it over, and over her. her? And, and have, she, she wanted to have her family there testifying to this.
2: So we did that yesterday. And her son was there, and another person was gathered through FaceTime the staff member was there and they publicly declared
0: this testimony story about how this lady in the last stages of her life had come alive in Christ Jesus and wanted to identify as a follower of Jesus. And and I did my first baptism by non immersion, so don't tell the Baptist Illuminati about this, but took took the pitcher of water over her her grey head of hair, poured the water baptize you now, my sister, sister, in the name of the Father and Son in Christ Christ Jesus, buried with Christ Christ Jesus, raised to walk in the newness of life. And I was struck by this reality. As long as you have breath in your lungs, lungs, it is is never never too too late. late. It is never too late to get in on what Jesus has provided for for us. us. It It is is never too late for the people that you love who still haven't believed, who still haven't trusted in Him. It's never too late. It's never too late for the Wanchi people and the Aceh people, and and the Uyghur people. It's never too late for those who haven't heard, and we're getting the gospel to them as fast as we can. Maybe we can do it faster.
2: There's still time for them to repent and believe and come alive because Jesus' sacrifice is still effective to save
0: and to transform lives. Father, thank you for what Jesus has done. That has been declared to your people all over the world for the last two thousand years, and we're still at work getting the gospel to those who haven't heard.
2: And I pray for anyone here who doesn't yet know this this fullness of life that's available
0: through Jesus. That they would see and treasure and love and enjoy Jesus as the once and for all final, full sacrifice for all of their sins so that in Jesus we stand before a holy and righteous God who could justly condemn us to His wrath. But we stand before Him fully sanctified, fully forgiven, and free from condemnation. Help, Father, all of your children here this morning the words of their Father in Heaven saying to them, I will never remember your sins anymore. You You do do not not see see us us like that. that. You You see see us us through your Son. Help us us to enjoy that again. We we pray pray in in Jesus' name.